This is 5 and 9, Season 4, Episode 1. Hi everyone, this is Anna, recording live from Jordan. It's my first big trip since COVID, and I'm on an artist residency hosted by one of many studios. I'm riding a yellow jeep through Wadi Rum with Farah Fodeh, a photographer I've met on this journey. The Wadi Rum Desert is part of the Great Rift Valley. It's a protected area and UNESCO World Heritage Site, and it spans some 280 square miles or 720 square kilometers. And one of the striking features to me is the lack of roads. It's all off-road driving with no signs or way markers, except for the massive mountains of granite and sandstone towering as much as 6,000 feet or 1,800 meters high. Each of them has a name and a personality. Each of them has a history and a story. Because I feel like you, you know what you're doing. Cool. I'm, I'm glad you trust me. Like, uh, there are people I ride with and I can tell they're, they don't know what's going on. <laughs> and that's when I get nervous. We're looking for a place to do a tower reading. It's the hottest time of day and we need shade, but also a nice view. Farah drives in a way I wouldn't in the open desert. Confident, assured, someone who's done this many times. And there's one particular cave she's seeking, recommended by our Bedouin host, Walid. Maybe we can ask for help and directions. They call it the lover's cave. Lover's cave? Yeah. That's cute. He's like, I have couples that come to visit and they have relationship problems and they spend the night in the cave. Really? And then their problems are resolved. It's pretty romantic, I guess. I feel like we're getting close to it. See what's over in this entrance? Oh, there's a tent. A oh, taken! Could also try down there. My name's Farah Fudeh. I am an artist. My medium is photography. I came from a mixture of backgrounds, but chose this medium because it allows me to work between what is real and also gives me the room to create what is mine. And that's what draws me to it as a medium. It makes it a little bit more digestible to call myself an artist because I came from a, a background in international relations and worked in development and always kind of, I guess, saw myself in a different world. But I just enjoy the space that photography gives me to be real and be creative, I guess. What was that like for you to transition into working as an artist and starting moving, moving into photography? The reason I went into development in the first place was because I felt the need to do something that was impactful or something that touches other people's lives. And I guess with photography, I felt like I could do that as an artist use the medium to talk about things that are outside of me and um, bigger than me. But with time, I realized that even the bigger themes and topics I've been drawn to and interested in are also quite personal. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can be an artist without being personal. Right, right. But I guess in my mind, I felt like I was still being true to the part of me that... <laughs> wanted to um, talk of, about things that are global and more 
connected to everyone. Yeah, I feel like artists, you have to kind of dig into yourself, understand yourself in a way that I think a lot of people don't always make space for. And that's what allows for such beautiful work that feels so passionate, feels very real at the same time. I agree, and to be honest, I still don't know if it's a choice that we make, really. <laughs> right, right. I don't know if we're like willingly digging into ourselves or if we already have some sort of like internal turmoil or <laughs> whatever you want to call it that is kind of like leading us to different paths and to ask questions and kind of explore all the layers. Not to say that I don't think non-artists don't have these layers, but I don't really know what the equation is that leads some people to seek to create or understand themselves on a deeper level and what doesn't. You talk about what you photograph. What do you like to explore in your photography? What is your art often about? I like to pick up the camera very intentionally when I have a place or a question that I'm trying to explore. Speaking of travel, I think the tourism industry or says a lot about the world and a state of a place and the politics behind things and like the economy of things and the power dynamics, like what brings a person as a traveler in the first place to another space. It's like also privilege and power and the experience of experiencing someone else's life is it's structurally unequal yes i guess i'm i'm drawn to travel as well because i feel like it gives me that kind of insight into a place in terms of photography my work has generally been very regionally focused on the land that we are at right now in Jordan and I guess photographically I was interested in just understanding what the relationship of photography is with this land and how it's affected our perception globally and how people see things I mean part of traveling and meeting people and saying where you're from for example is an experience in itself because oh, yeah. you're meeting all the different images people have of who you are and the place you call home and we forget how much information people take from photographs and the Middle East is either shared through journalistic image images like all about the war and all the things that we have to experience here as well as the other side of the coin is through tourism and travel and I think there's just like a whole world in between that's lost that is actually more telling of like who we are absolutely and i think thinking back to images um one thing that struck me about arriving at wadi ram was how familiar it felt and i'm saying that to someone who's seen movies uh, dune the martian uh, john wick i think maybe star wars Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> that was the big one. Right, right. For the older, maybe, generation, That's I guess. right, that's right. Continues to be influential mm -hmm. in shaping our understanding of the region. For sure. We might have to find our own spot. I don't know that we'll make it to that spot, but we'll try up there. Okay. Hopefully we'll find it. Back in the desert, we're still looking for the right location for a tower reading. Farah drives straight up a sand dune and glides downward into a dune valley. We pass a woman and her children, crouched down beneath a boulder for a sliver of shade. Their goats wander nearby. 
Humans have lived in Wadi Rum since prehistoric times, and they continue to live here. The Bedouins are nomadic people who dwell in the eastern and western Sahara. Many Bedouins now live in cities and towns, and they drive trucks with stickers advertising their Snapchat and TikTok accounts. Do you think this could be a spot? It looks like it. Is there enough shade? Mm, we'd have to be under this port. It's like just enough. Right? What do you think? I don't know that we can find too much shade, but I feel like we're getting close to right here. the spot that he took us to. Who's over here? The reality is if you are lucky enough to take some time off work and travel, you don't really have that much time or space to go in deeply and no. curate a real authentic experience. And I just wanted to touch on the element of the performance that goes behind the tourism industry and places that are like established and there's now a product that you travel to experience right. and it's all sort of like a play for... It's a tourism product <laughs> at yep. the end of the day. But also this whole like wanting to experience people's lives how they're authentically living sort of like in the past away from nature it's kind of a projection more of what it is the traveler is missing Absolutely. and wants you yes. people are living in cities busy lives you have job and kids and all these things and you kind of romanticize this like life and you come here and are just drawn by everything that it offers but then you're kind of like rose tinted your vision is rose tinted and you don't really see the different elements that go behind giving you what you're experiencing as a visitor i only see one layer and you use such a perfect word for it the product is what is the product that i'm experiencing consuming and it sounds to me like if you as a photographer are exposing those layers helping shed light on different ways um, that one might experience this place, this land, in a different lens. I agree. And it's not about, I mean, the fact that it's been developed into a product doesn't mean that it's not still real in one sense. Right. And it doesn't mean that it's not something that we can support and experience and be a part of. But I guess what drew me as well was really just trying to talk about the like power dynamics and structures of sharing this kind of space and maybe trying to have a traveler be a little bit more aware of these things just so that when you do travel you can be more thoughtful or look for more sustainable kind of like operations or right. try and give back in a real way it doesn't have to be like monetary but it's like could just be how you interact with the person and like see them as a full human. <laughs> right, right. The questions Fura raises are essential in a country where more than 10% of its GDP comes from tourism. Around the world before 2020, one in 10 jobs were in tourism, making it the world's largest service sector. Much of this went away during COVID. When I prepared for my trip to Jordan, I received the Jordan Pass, a PDF with my name, passport number, and QR code. The basic pass starts at 70 Jordanian dinar, or nearly 100 USD, to get access to major archaeological and natural sites like Petra and Wadi Rum. I printed it out and showed it at various attractions in the country. I was just one of nearly 1.5 million in the first quarter of 2023 alone in Jordan, and one of a quarter billion tourists around the world. 
According to the UN's World Tourism Organization, tourism is booming once more, nearly back to its pre-COVID levels. We're traveling again, we're digital nomading, we're having adventures and finding ourselves and Instagramming and TikToking. We're eating and praying and loving and living our best lives, and we're spending a whole lot of cash. What does it look like to travel responsibly, with consideration, with care? What does it mean to be global right now in this, this time of crisis, of change, of deep misunderstandings? I'm still looking for the answers. It does also help to maybe do a little bit of homework before traveling to sort of understand a little bit of the history of the people that you're visiting. It's really a hard question. It is. <laughs> Yes. Like, let's just take Wadi Rum, for instance, and there's the need to preserve the Bedouin culture and identity of the desert, but then at the same time, there's also the fact that they're developing and they're moving out into the town and they turn on the AC to go to sleep and they're driving around and they have the internet and they're TikTok influencer kids now. And, and then it's almost like there's this cool of thought or perspective that's kind of like no you need to like pause in time and hold on to this like never changing element of your identity and i don't know what part of it is like authentic and what part of it is just so that it can be experienced by other people who have lost that part of their identity I think that you also kind of lessen a person or a community by telling them like who they are and telling them that their identity is fixed and it's not allowed to evolve. But then the rest of the world is doing it. Like driving off the road. I have fun. I've done it just a little bit in Joshua Tree, the desert but not like what you're doing. I've done uh, canyon drives, also energy. Oh, through the canyons? Yeah. Ah, oh, pretty. But over there, it's a little different because it's uh, it's more paved. The roads are more paved. Okay. So we've done some off-road stuff too. It feels like a super similar like landscape. Yeah. Have you been to Joshua Tree? No, but it's like from the photos I've seen and stuff. Yeah. We used to get on a lot of like photographers and it's, um from like uh, the west coast and they all felt pretty at home around here. It's like the same colors and just, I don't know, same landscape. That looks like a big shade under that big like cliff. I mean that cut in the rock. We could go there. How pretty is this? Wow. You can see the white sand and the red sand and the black stone. I love it. live in this world where so many people travel both for leisure and because they have to and if we don't take the time to understand the power dynamics the social dynamics like you're saying we're going to miss so much also the power dynamics of things don't have to be so clear in the sense that maybe it's a community that isn't very like resource rich being experienced by a, a traveler or tourist from the wealthier part of the world it could also be for example i live between jordan and barcelona and if you take the the city of barcelona which is part of the, the developed rich world and you look at the impact tourism has had on the city and 
access to like housing and rent prices and yes. the kind of like products and like shops and restaurants that are popping up i remember during covid there was in the center of the city there were a few shops and restaurants closing down and then actual like shops popping up that were serving the needs of the community <laughs> for example a grocery store <laughs> in a right. place of a souvenir shop you know tourism it's just the flow of capital into a, a place and in many countries it's actually the biggest sector and um what a lot of communities fall back on and that's why covid was really rough around the world and in the absence of tourism helping these communities or letting the capital flow a lot of communities were forgotten during the whole duration of covid and were not really remembered or taken care of by the i guess entity responsible for looking after um these communities and also i feel like tourism sometimes might be an easy way out kind of it actually what drew me to working in tourism for me as from a development perspective was the fact that i felt like it empowered individuals firsthand but at the same time relying fully on that is not a sustainable model and so covid kind of exposed for so many places are so reliant on tourism that the support systems the economics the infrastructure are so reliant on tourism and so when that goes away what's left what is left yeah the silence of the desert And then our overall direction is that way, just in case. I have the pin. I oh, yeah, you I have, have the pin. Oh, we are good. That pin is a GPS pin on maps.me, an offline map service I use on my phone. I spent so much of high COVID in California deserts and mountains, learning to listen to the land and its messages. But even there, I was but a visitor. I learned to respect the desert and my limitations and made sure to always keep multiple forms of navigation tools on me, just in case I got lost. Let's go back there. It's hard to stop driving. <laughs> I just want to be in the car. I think we'll go around back there. I like how massive the, like, cliffs are and stuff. Oh, yeah, we'll find that. a spot. It looks pretty majestic. Yes, that's our spot. Oh god. We've like, it's part of the process as well when you drive in the desert to get stuck in the sand. Yes. You just learn how to like dig yourself off yeah. in the middle of the heat. And <laughs> yeah, I've definitely been stuck in the sand. Yeah. To dig and put, put down board, wood, wooden boards. And are ways. What do you think? Up there, that one seems like a nice big one. Oh, what a spot! Nice. Okay, we made it. Let's go. We finally found our cave. It's not the lover's cave, but it's a cave we love. A short hike up a hill and a tiny climb up onto a platform. I lay down my blanket and equipment and grab some rocks to weigh down the tarot cards, while Farah takes photos. I understand now why the desert figures in so many spiritual traditions. It's a place of magic, a place of humility, a place of awe. A place to ask big questions about life and life's purpose, nestled in the Rift Valley, where the story of humanity and our migration began. Maybe we can talk a little bit about 
where we are. We're sitting here in a, a little nook or like a cave and nestled in the rocks. We're in a really special quiet place. The rocks here, I guess, look like they could be underwater or have been melting <laughs> yeah. through the years. It's a mixture of like soft oranges and rose and black rock and white sand and green shrubs and silence. It's very meditative and I couldn't be more happy to have this podcast with you here. And I just watched a little bird, like, there it is again. Such a special location. Such a special location. Yeah. Should we go into the reading? Yes, please. Okay. So the way that uh, we'll do this is, so our podcast, we have our own spread that we designed. It's called Seed, Root, and Garden. And so you draw three cards. The seed is what's been planted. The root is what's growing. And the garden is what's needed to cultivate what's growing. I mean, meeting you and sitting here and having this conversation is kind of super great. <laughs> because I am at a point in my life where I've come from different backgrounds and I've done different things. But also there's always been like a line between everything I've been doing. And I see myself going back to the tourism world in a little bit and having more of a, a role in being involved in that aside from my work as an artist so I guess my question would maybe be is there a way to should I focus on both mm. should I leave one aside mm. and listen to something else right now should I go back into trying to be involved in development through tourism okay okay so we have the seed The root and the garden. Wow. My seed card <laughs> is the lovers. I can see sort of two faces that are um, kind of, I don't know, I guess colliding into each other. And it feels like a lot of chaos around them. <laughs> There's... I don't know if this is my reading of it, but a part of it feels a bit unsettling. Mm -hmm. The lines and the scribbles and things coming in and out. And I can see eyes, but they seem to be looking in different directions. And the root. This is a good card, actually. Okay. The root mm, card that? is the devil. <laughs> you said it's a good thing, so I'll mm -hmm. take your word for it. Yeah. I can see a... They're all black and white cards, which is quite cool. Yeah. I'm a very color person. Mm, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. a lot of color. The black and white kind of makes you like draws you to the details in a different way. I see a white hand trying to hold also what seems like a little bit of a chaotic situation. I see um circles like and lines coming up that looks like something's on fire and teeth. That look like they could bite you. Yeah. Let's talk about these two cards, I think, in unison, in relationship. What these both are, these are the major arcana in tarot. The big forces, archetypal forces. What this suggests to me is that you're in a time of major change in your life. I think these two cards offer some guidance for you as you think about how you make your decision about how you return to the tourism industry. First is the lovers. And like you said, it's unsettling. Because love is that. 
love is never simple or straightforward romantic and what i hear from the way you've described your work the way you describe the way you explore places the way you describe your relationship to this land is a lot of love but also a lot of complication you see the layers you see the challenges of tourism of trying to represent a place that's so meaningful to you that's the seed that's been planted that at the foundation of so much of what you do i can tell just from our conversation is a lot of love but it's a complicated love which is honestly the best love <laughs> it's the most honest love and the reason the devil is such a i think it's a good one for you is that the devil is an invitation to lean into what you look at lean into the devil often represents the shadow side right mm. tourism so often is represented through the exciting things the beauty the wonder which is all true it's all there but what you are uncovering with your work what you're showing is the challenges the difficulties the inequalities the power dynamics of all these places that you've visited from barcelona to wadi rum and so the devil is this invitation you can see it with the little hand that's holding this strange beast or creature <clears throat> don't turn away look that in the eye and as you meld that with the love that you bring those things as they come together that's what's growing right now it's your ability to hold both of those truths at the same time which is both the artist's way but also is the way of anyone who has a beautiful vision a beautiful thought or experience that they, they want to share with the world so you're being called to that leadership i think i've been sort of like a i don't like to put labels on anything but um maybe like an idealist or like yeah maybe that's the closest word i can get and sometimes i'm thrown off of things because they don't like you mentioned i can see the layers that don't sit well with me and i i feel them before i can see them and i guess that's not necessarily a bad thing <laughs> right right it's in fact a beautiful thing mm -hmm. and just learning how to sit with and hold that pain mm -hmm. is what's going to allow that compassion to show through in whatever way you decide to to do your work and it's the most challenging thing in the world a little bit <laughs> <laughs> two little birds came and joined us they're singing somewhere <laughs> i don't want to leave <laughs> i'm floating around giving encouragement to you thank you <laughs> it is a really special place and being here within these mountains as well and i think that what calls me more and more and more is also trying to work with communities to preserve the the nature of these spaces as well yes yes and i love that you did men like mention about love and how it's um always complicated yes. i guess and uh there's the light and there's the dark and i think we whether it's in love or life or relationships or work or we expect to like be in the light or work towards the light constantly but um that's just not really real <laughs> or attainable so i guess yeah i need to make room for more um good and bad in my life and accept them both and i think that's what i've been working towards sounds like it should we look at the garden yeah sure the conditions that are going to allow the allow you to tend to both the lovers and the devil in your life to allow both of these sides of this yin and yang to grow okay the work you're exploring learner of stones oh, i love it i love it it's a beautiful card for you 
That is a beautiful card for me. I mean, it looks like we're in space. It does. There's like waves of color surrounding the stone in outer yes. space. I love this card for you. And in other decks, this is called the Page of Pentacles. And here in this deck, the stones or the pentacles, they mean work, career, but also the earth. Mm-hmm. Exactly like what you said. And it's the earth. So much of what you've talked about is that the earth is your career. The world is your career through tourism, through photography, your relationship to land. And the learner is an invitation. It's what does it look like to bring on that beginner's mind again? If you were to re-enter the tourism industry, what does it look like to look at it fresh after having gone through this journey as a photographer? What have you learned? And what can you bring to others to help them learn, to learn your perspectives on things? When I'm looking at this big rock floating in space and these exploration, um, like satellites and a little landing rover, it's almost like us as travelers. Mm-hmm. Kind of coming to a new place, exploring what does that look like Yeah. to learn? What way can you create, if you were to go back, to create spaces for people to build their curiosity, to learn in a way that's more compassionate, that's more empathetic, mm-hmm. it's more care-driven in the way that you're talking about, without that assumption of, yeah. oh, I know this place. What does that look like for you? Listening. Listening. <laughs> Being more open. And also not assuming that... I have my perspective and my knowledge and all of that, but then I also, if my goal is to be involved in a place, I have to listen to the place itself before anything. I'm trying to do work on myself firstly, and if that leads to changing some wellness outside of me, then that's great. And this is, I think this is the encouragement to lean into that learning, Mm -hmm. that practice, that work on yourself. That's what's going to guide you. And it is work. It's work to work on oneself to be able to then give to others. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like it's very easy to not prioritize your self-work because there are other things that are more pressing or seem more urgent. But I have come to learn that if you don't give yourself that energy, then the things you're putting out into the world are also coming out from a lesser space and maybe it's would help your other priorities as well if you prioritized yourself in your process. I guess I also love travel so much and because it gives me so much as well. It gives me the space to get to know myself in different contexts and just to connect and I guess be open. I mean, I guess you asked me a question earlier about how can you be a more sustainable traveler and that's still a very hard question, but maybe I would say being more open would be one. More open to the space and the people and learning and seeing and feeling. and But then again, there's just so much humans are going through right now that... I feel like it's homework to tell someone how to behave when they're on what is essentially a vacation from their life. So we're back to I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know is a great place to start. Yeah. (laughs) Because it means you're learning. (laughs) Yeah. We're all learning. We're all in the space of being open. We're trying. Five and Nine is an independent podcast at the crossroads of magic, work, and economic justice. It's co-founded by Darcy Santos, Xiaowei Wang, and me, 
Anna AX Mina. This special season is co-presented with one of many studio, an experienced design and consulting studio connecting people with what it means to be a future ancestor. And most of it was recorded and produced on location in Jordan during a one of many artist residency. The music was recorded live and performed by Hashem bin Moaitik. If you enjoyed this show, consider leaving us a review or becoming a paid subscriber. Find us at thisis5and9.com, on Apple, Spotify, Google, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned for episode two, where the desert journey continues with a discussion about global development and philanthropy. Thanks for listening, and we wish you comfort and ease in these difficult times. Remember to breathe deeply, drink plenty of water, and take a moment of rest wherever and whenever you can.